I didn't think of it that way, of risking your life going to work. But seeing my colleagues pass away in our own ICU, it's just heartbreaking. Please stick with us for a while and just make our lives a little bit easier. And then we can all be together again. Behind every case, there's a story. Protect yourself and each other. Be antiviral. Hear more at antiviralireland.com. Supported by the Government of Ireland. Hi, I'm Chloe Maidley, author of The Four Week Body Blitz and now The Fat Loss Blitz. And welcome to my new podcast, The Bodcast. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking to all of my favorite celebrities and health and fitness professionals about everything you can think of in terms of diet, nutrition, training, fat loss, muscle building. I'm going to be asking them all the questions that I think you guys will benefit from hearing the answers to. So without further ado, here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to my podcast. On today's show, we have one of my absolute favorite fitness girls, online coach and science nutter, Emma Story Gordon. Uh, She's also known to many in the community as ESG Fitness, so some of you might already be following her on social media. Emma, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks for coming in. I feel like you said you were in Leeds today or yesterday. I was in Leeds yesterday doing another podcast for Pure Gym. Nice. What was that all about? Um, We were sort of talking about social media and women in fitness and if we think that's maybe changed recently or... And then we also discussed um, the Victoria's Secrets models and if that's a good sort of... um, I I don't know, kind of a role model. But what one thing that did come up which was interesting was I was asked, you know, who do you think is a good female role model in Mm. fitness? And I think it, role models are quite a hard yeah. thing to put forward because yeah. even if, like, you know, you put out brilliant information, and I definitely say that you were you a good person to look up to, but it puts you a lot of pressure on you. Oh, yeah. So what you do in your personal life is really, like, I think, up to you. Yeah, yeah. And there's been quite a few examples recently of quite well-known and respected fitness people who maybe have done not very acceptable things in their personal life but does that completely discredit what they do what they as do. a fitness professional yeah, yeah. but it, it's that an, an interesting ev- one everybody and anybody who has an audience i think falls into that horrible category of role model was it rihanna who said i i don't want to be a role model i yeah. never said i was a role model i put out music and if people like it great and if they don't i don't care <laughs> it, it is Why? funny because you've kind of got this then like absolute pressure on like Rihanna it doesn't matter that she doesn't want to be like a lot of people look up to her so she almost has a responsibility yeah. to act a certain way but it, she's been like pressured with that and she never asked for it and she's no. right you know but so and many she people doesn't want to have her. to apologize for smoking weed when that is yeah. her way that's her culture that's what she do yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what she wants to do yeah. it's really interesting I have to say I'm a massive massive fan of the Victoria's Secret uh, uh, Angels like fashion show I think it looks incredible I think the girls are incredible but you know as a woman I definitely feel that kind of slap in the face of, oh, my God, that's completely unrealistic. I Mm -hmm. will never look like that. And, oh, God, my boyfriend just watched that same clip as me. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) We all feel it. We're all women. Yeah, it does. Yeah. 
but also knowing that that's like a fantasy and like well, these women are amazing but that's what they do that's their yeah. job that's their like whole entity and actually when they you have break to it, look like that yeah, when you break it down you don't really want that you don't want that lifestyle well, of restriction I mean. <laughs> and like all the yeah. things that go behind it that you don't see and you just see that amazing catwalk like catwalk model i do wish that they would be a little bit more honest about whether or it's genetic fine or whether they actually really do have to you know be on like a 500 calorie a day diet in the three four five months leading up to it i think that there is definitely a, a hole a loophole here where none of them are actually coming up and saying no i swear to god we are just born like this if you weren't born like this you can't do it or no, I, I swear to God, you wouldn't want this life. Yeah. Like you, I do what I do think. But then, as soon as one of them says that, they lose their job, and the illusion is shattered. So that's why nobody. But comes you forward. see, I can't remember who it was, but I think it was around this time last year, and um, a quite famous model came out and sort of explained, you know, what she had to do to get in that shape. And she was like, "They were pressuring me to lose weight. I was eating one apple a day, yeah. like ridiculous things." And she was like, "Nobody would want this," and like potential health problems much later in Down life, like bone loss, osteoporosis, like all this things. She said actually she started getting very hairy as well because course, your body yeah. reacts as like, oh my God, there's not enough and we want to keep you warm. Yeah. And, you know, so all these sort of negative side effects. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, the, <laughs> welcome to the show, yeah, Emma. See, that was a nice little <laughs> intro. This is why it's nice. So far, actually, so far, everybody I've spoken to has been male. So the, mm. these are the kind of gems you get when you get a woman on the well, show. Yeah, just ranting about anything. I know. Whereas if it was a guy, he'd be like, "Yeah, but you have to admit they look pretty good." <laughs> and to be fair, they do. They they, they look I, they, I very nearly like you know swore quite intensely. They look unbelievable. But yeah. you know, I have to say, actually, funnily enough, one parallel I can draw is that if when I get into kind of that photo shoot aesthetic shape, mm-hmm. in terms of the context of fitness modeling, I look great. I will be totally honest and say I feel like garbage. Like, it is not fun being that lean. And I can't even imagine. I watch them, like, strutting down that catwalk in those massive heels with those wings on their back that you know are really heavy. And I'm like, I don't know if I could even manage to walk down that runway. Like, uh, anyway, let's... Let's move on from VSA and talk about ESG. Oh, oh. I like what you did there. Okay, so for people who don't know you, um, why don't you tell everybody who you are, what you're all about, how you got started, and, um, well, I mean, I'm a huge fan, so anything that you think would would make everybody else see the light. Oh, I don't know about that, but I guess I started in fitness. I did a sports science degree, and towards the end of that, I got really interested in actually diabetes and how exercise can benefit health in general. So I saw that the start of the degree was mostly, and when I went into it, I was really interested in performance. So, you know, what little tweaks could be made to improve exercise performance. And then I realised that I wasn't that interested in that. (laughs) Um, And there wasn't that much that could be done. And, you know, these small changes that you can see if you take supplements or, you know, maybe if you had, I don't know, really small changes. But then I saw that, immense impact that exercise can have on health especially yeah. in disease and the extreme of that was like type 2 diabetes obesity related mm-hmm. diseases so when I finished uni I worked in a diabetes research group for a while um, then I went back to uni then I worked in other research jobs I worked in cardiovascular disease for a year um, which was really interesting and then I started a PhD and I didn't finish a PhD uh, and that was on cancer and exercise, which, again, is really, really interesting topic. Really but, interesting topic, yeah. yeah. Um, 
so it, it's amazing to see the impact of exercise on health and I guess that was what that's what really inspires me but it's also very hard to work in that field yeah. and make money because yeah. I mean probably should have seen this from the start but trying to sell exercise to people that you know have got in this position because they don't like exercise (laughs) it's a a flaw there's a flaw in the business plan there so they don't really want to pay for that but yeah I guess that's my background that's my science background and then I try with the content I put out now to relate that back to you know make it more relatable to people so they can understand it so not just giving out advice but the how and the why that this advice is given yeah um, which I think helps with quite a lot of like fad diets or yeah. random rules that come with dieting that have worked for people and then explaining why they work allows you to potentially not do that if it doesn't fit your lifestyle yeah. and still get And results. try a different method. Yeah. Yeah, this is so that one of the reasons why I love Emma is because... And any of you who have my books will know that I'm a really big believer in explaining why I tell you to do the things that I do. And any of you who follow me on social media will know that I consistently say, look, the reason why any diet works if it's low carb. So my books, although in the fat loss splits, one of the three diets is a carb cycle, but not all three are. Um, But the reason why it works is because you are taking out a nutrient, which means you are taking out some calories. And the reason you're going to get results and and the reason why most diets will work if you do them, you know, properly is because in some way, shape or form, they will reduce your calorie intake. Um, Nobody really talks about the science of it. Obviously, what sells more is the promise and that, well, I guess that kind of sums up the fad. But you really want to follow people who, even if they give you the diet, will explain why it works mm-hmm. and will t- say to you, and you know what, actually, if you'd rather do it a different way, here's another option. Adherence is key. And you are a huge science nerd, which I absolutely love. And now you've explained your entire background. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that was sort of my background. And yeah, I just like having the evidence behind things to back them up and also showing either way what could be, you know, the evidence for and potentially against things so it's a bit more of a rounded thing and I'm very keen on people not attaching their I guess their take on diet and exercise a dogmatic approach yeah like oh I'm a ketogenic diet or even like I do I only do crossfit or I only do low carb and it and you know what like you touched on low carb there it works so well for numerous reasons and people are like oh it's a fad it's not a fad it works you know it works and the reason behind the reason it works you've just explained it's a an energy deficit but cutting out carbs is normally a good idea because a people tend to eat too many carbs mm. and b it's a much more satiating diet from what i found like mm-hmm. if i'm dieting the easiest thing for me is to cut carbs and i think also in terms of internal health i would be much more inclined to reduce my carbohydrate intake than my fat or my protein intake which uh you know i i kind of have a little belief that carbs are a macro but technically they're not really a macro in that we don't actually really need them to survive uh on an optimal mm-hmm. functional level and as someone who's who's um studied dietary diseases i mean that's really interesting mm-hmm. do you know somebody called uh dr dominic d'angostino i've he t- heard of he talks a lot about ketogenic diets and cancer diabetes uh dementia um and yeah i mean i think that in t- if you're going to reduce a macronutrient for me carbohydrates would be my macro of choice now that's me and my mm-hmm. advice for somebody like my partner who's a professional athlete absolutely that would not definitely <laughs> not be my i mean i would probably reduce his fat intake keep it in there but also because he's a man as well 
I would be a lot more inclined to pull his fat than his carbs. Yeah, yeah. it's exactly true because you've got these like essential nutrients that you need for the body. And you're right in saying that carbohydrate isn't actually essential, mm-hmm. obviously very important for performance. But with someone who has like, I don't know what James's calorie intake is. 4,000. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a lot of fat he could pull from that yeah. while still hitting his sort of essential fat needs. Exactly. Whereas a woman at 1600 calories or, you know, you pull her fat and you're sort of... you need some fat yeah Yeah. and some of these fats are essential so you don't want to go too low fat because that can have potential consequences yeah Yeah. see this is why i love talking to you i just love i I love people who actually have studied and have science-based approaches and i feel like since i started following you i've learned so much so you are an online coach yeah and how many clients do you have now hmm so (laughs) i have to quantify yeah i have about 15 one-to-one yeah but i also have a female fat loss group yeah. and there's about 20 a month that come on that yeah um and then i also work a little bit for grenade fit so they have a fat loss course as well yeah so there's about 30 that come on that that i get a month so depending on the time of the month um anywhere between be... 15 to 100 <laughs> yeah much. Uh, but in varying degrees obviously group yeah. work is you know you don't get as bespoke yes training of course and it's sort of similar to but the way you you, yeah. you give your book out but then you offer you know if people are following on social media they're getting all these tips and hints and you're giving out more information, but the plan is there to yeah. set with. Yeah. And actually, these plans work for most people. Yeah. Like, the basics work. There's a ballpark, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I think, uh, but in order to be good at that, figuring out that ballpark and figuring out what kind of are the essentials that have to be in a fat loss plan or a muscle gain plan and what can be played around with and how to get the best results, uh, blah, 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 blah. You have to have experience. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you and I have spoken about before, because I've done Emma's lives or she does some she does lives pretty much nightly I don't know how you do that I've cut that back slightly because it's so annoying that they won't save I'm like this is such a good you know so many people are going to get something from this but if they don't watch it within 24 hours yeah you used to be I used to be able to save mine I can't do it anymore apparently you can save it if it's just you oh because Mm. you do split screen yeah Yeah. that makes sense um but we've talked about it before there are look you know we all follow people online who look look Instagram is a visual world. Uh, it's a fantasy. It's a showreel. So we all follow people who look incredible, who motivate us, who make us want to, you know, get up and go to the gym and, you know, not eat that cheeseburger for, you know, the third night in a row. We all follow those people. Um, but, you know, both Emma and I feel like there is a lot of advice online and a lot of people out there dishing out advice who don't have the experience of the client. You know, as Emma says, she has a science background. I've been personal training for six years. I feel like you and I share a similar bugbear in people dishing out advice who don't have experience in changing anybody's bodies but their own. Mm-hmm. So how do you talk to your clients about maybe uh, switching their kind of attention from that to somebody like you who's educated and can help? From following someone like that? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just a realisation of, like you were saying, what social media is Um and I think if you're if you're looking at someone and you're like, mm, should I follow this person or not? Or even, you know, follow them if they just inspire you yeah. to look at. But, you know, should I follow their advice? Well, try questioning their advice and see what their reaction is. Yeah, see what they say. I always yeah. say that. So yeah. it's just, you know, if you question it, say, oh, like, I actually got it. I got results not on a low-carb diet. What do you think of that? Or, like, yeah. isn't there a voice you could do it? If they're like, oh, yeah, that's absolutely fine. I'm just saying this is how I did it. Then great. Maybe they're probably someone you should follow. Yeah. If they're kind of like, no, like this is the only way, they're not 
open to changing their opinion, they're not open to being challenged, yeah. then possibly not follow that person. It possibly alludes to the fact that either they're not educated or they're not experienced enough mm-hmm. quite yet. And I used to be like that. I look back now on how I started, when was that, like six and a half years ago, and some of the advice that I gave out, even last year and I'm like every you, the sign of a good coach or a good PT is somebody who does actually to be honest consistently change their methods yeah. open is more open to different ideas I mean do you feel like your understanding and your advice has evolved from where it was a few years ago oh absolutely yeah a hundred percent and I think you're completely right you know we're, we should all be like changing our minds given the evidence, given what's worked for us. So it's not just the scientific evidence, which is inevitably like a good couple of years behind by yeah. the time it gets published. But your experience, you know, what's worked. And even if you don't know quite why it's worked yet, because it's often we find, especially in maybe sports performance, like this has always worked and got really good results. Yeah. And then it's later on that we do the research. You know, the research. And and like, oh, that's why it worked. Yeah. Which, it, it, you know, it is interesting, but experience is a huge part of things as well so I think people sort of discredit that and there's almost too much of an evidence-based you know we all have to be evidence-based well actually there's not the evidence for a lot of things but we know that they do work we know it works yeah Yeah. like bro science yeah yeah I mean the reasoning why it works might not always be accurate but we know that ultimately it does actually pretty much work um okay so as an online coach and I know that you do obviously specialize in fat loss what are some of your uh, laws to live by your mainstays when it comes to fat loss training and and nutrition okay so the basics would be just getting first of all it's getting the calories right so in a big enough deficit that you're going to see results because results are the most motivating thing you can see yep. but not in such a big deficit that you feel restricted and that you can't stick to your diet so getting a a sort of idea of what your calorie needs are and then taking about 20% off that to start with is normally where I start. And that's really, you know, I don't like giving out generic advice because depending on the individual, that will or won't work. But that's a sort of ballpark start. Um, Making sure, now I don't like stopping there. So a lot of people like calories are all that mattered, get in some protein and calories. But I'm really focused, especially like we were just talking about changing our mind. Like I think I was too focused on, just hit your calories and protein and now I'm like actually what you eat is extremely important yeah, it is. so not only for how you feel your mood but also your gut health your general health and so longevity after, yeah. yeah like aesthetic results are great but you should also always have in the back of your mind a little mm. a, a little old woman or man saying what about me yeah. I want to live too <laughs> exactly exactly so getting in loads and loads of fruit and veg or just plant-based foods in general. So I've been looking more and more research in the gut microbiome, which is really interesting. I had this 30 plant challenge where you have to try and get 30 different plants in a week, um, which actually is easier than you think because so many things are plant-based, like... It's not just fruit and veg, because in my head I was like, God, that's a big variety of fruit and veg. Like nuts, avocado, oats. Yeah, all whole grains, like legumes, herbs and spices. Anything that isn't an animal you can do. (laughs) Yeah, basically. So, but getting in these sort of um, healthy foods, I guess, um, or nutrient-dense foods. So that would be the the diet side. Yeah. Um, And then in terms of fat loss, you know, it's, it's the calories but also the activity level so I'd always try and get people to increase their activity levels Mm -hmm. and in my opinion that's how you lose fat 
Now, your time in the gym, that shouldn't be spent trying to burn as many calories as possible. I always say use that time to try and build muscle or enjoy yourself. You know, exercise should be enjoyed. So if it's Zumba you like going to, that's great. You know, um, I do like people to resistance train, but if it's not your cup of tea, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, and there are a million and one different ways to resistance train. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like you know, the archetype. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But also, I mean, there are so many things you can do. I, a lot of the girls that I know who I am, a, a, who compete and who are body goals of mine, a lot of them use predominantly, for example, resistance bands on their lower body, mm. and they look phenomenal. So you don't always have to pick up a weight or you know, I don't know, swing a kettlebell. Yeah. So I guess like the, my general rule for fat loss is diet and activity levels to burn fat mm-hmm. and then exercise to build muscle and that if we're really talking about the basics like that's what i go for yeah i mean bro science yeah yeah <laughs> seriously guys it works <laughs> okay one thing i actually really wanted to talk to you about um so i recently had an online client of mine show me a photo she's been weight training for about two or three years so she's not new new but she's not old school either um and i think this hence the confusion really she showed me a photo of you and she said i've been weight training for two or three years why don't i look like emma i want to look like emma how do i look like emma and i was like well first of all this is a girl who's been incredibly physically active since she was young born basically yeah born (laughs) she uh is a huge fan of resistance training and has been doing it habitually for actual years Mm -hmm. um which which helps and also you know genetically you have a really good makeup to respond well to this kind of training. Now, you know, whether that is, I think for you personally, and please do correct me if I'm wrong because I don't want to be presumptuous, but I feel like it is a mixture of nature and nature. And you have good genetics. And also from a young age, you are somebody who's been active and that does make a difference. Um, And I know that you obviously have a lot of female clients. So can you please talk to my female audience about the role that genetics play? in how you look and then the role that long-term training plays in Mm -hmm. how you look so both play a huge part and I spent quite a lot of years lifting pretty heavy weights and building a lot of muscle um and then I found personally like then I spent far too many years sort of trying to be this quite very lean um fitness model type physique but why I could manage that is because I spent a long time building that muscle before and I do feel like I probably lost some muscle but muscle seems to be easier to maintain once you get it yeah it's very hard to build but once you've got it if you are still getting enough protein and still like stimulating that muscle then it tends to stay so that would be one point there but I think you know looking at a certain physique and saying I want one like that like and then you take a step back and like look like one she's way taller than you or way shorter than you like yeah. most actually most fitness models are really short like I know, I've noticed I'm that. five foot five so kind of like average-ish but you know a lot of them are really short and they look amazing in pictures because it's quite like a condensed it, you know yeah. the, the bum is like a big thing at the moment like if, and if you're glutes. petite I mean that make I, I won't name any names but there are some very big names in the UK in health and fitness right now who are tiny petite little things Mm. and have always been tiny petite little things and you need to take that into account when you're looking at them going why don't I look like that you know yeah and your muscle so in terms of genetics like your muscle shape um, and also your bone structure so like I have quite a long torso and quite short legs which is why I have quite good abs yeah and it's where I get lean first which is lucky oh god that's the last place I get lean so most people (laughs) it is the last place um, but, and I mean, great examples are 
are we naming names or not? Go like, for it, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's not a negative, but say like Andrea Brazier, she's oh, amazing. amazing. <laughs> but she is also like Brazilian, is she? Or, yeah, yeah, she know, is. And they hold a lot more muscle and fat around their bum. Yep. That's it's just genetic. the way that they're genetically built up. Yeah. So when you look at her and you're like, oh, I wonder what her, you know, bum routine is. Like what, actually, she's probably the last person you should look for for a bum routine because oh, she's preach. probably had that her whole life. Yeah. What you should look for is someone who's come from like skinny, flat, prune ass to a decent... Big bubble butt. Yeah. And that's your girl. <laughs> yeah. And they've worked really hard for it. And yeah. I've had this discussion with people before, you know, someone who seems to have been big and muscly their whole life mm. probably isn't the person you should ask for advice. I've been in hospital three separate times. One was the big three-week stay in the coma. Number two was the nerve damage diagnosis. Number three was a surprise attack out of nowhere and I couldn't breathe properly. You know, perfectly healthy 17-year-old, no underlying conditions. It's crazy. Behind every case, there's a story. Protect yourself and each other. Be antiviral. Hear more at antiviralireland.com. Supported by the Government of Ireland. Discover Nespresso Virtuo and redefine your coffee experience in the comfort of your own home. From intensely roasted espressos to a large cup of barista quality coffee with a rich and smooth crema, all from the touch of a button. Nespresso Virtuo, your new standard. Visit Nespresso.com to find out more. Nespresso. What else? Or another example is like, say you want to be the fastest sprinter in the world. You don't look to Usain Bolt, you look to Usain Bolt's coach. Yeah, 100%. This is, this is guys, this is gold. Please remember, <laughs> please remember this. You're completely right. And, and a lot of the time it does just come so easily to some people. And I think, you know, that it, it was weird. I remember growing up that the whole genetics thing was seen almost as an excuse of overweight people to not get in shape. And that was really the only way you looked at genetics. Um, this was before I entered the health and fitness world. When I then entered the health and fitness world, it kind of flipped on its head and it was don't follow people who are you know, genetically gifted because they don't work hard in the gym. They genetically look like that. Um, and that's not necessarily accurate either. I am a huge believer, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, that whether you are uh, an ectomorph, a mesomorph, or an endomorph, you can achieve full-blown body transformation. You can do it. However, how easy or difficult, how long-winded or short turnaround that is, is 100% dependent on your genetics. Would you agree with that? Absolutely agree. So the point you make is, like, perfect. One point I want to make before we move off the topic is, you know, you'll, you'll see something that's like, oh, you're genetically blessed. Where do you tend to see them? In the gym, working bloody hard? <laughs> like, it's, it, you know, they might have a predisposition to exercise because they've always been good at it mm-hmm. and genetically they found that easier but they do tend to work bloody hard as well true um and in terms of the other end of the spectrum people saying oh i can't lose weight it's my genetics it is actually harder to lose weight mm-hmm. because but it's not because in a calorie deficit you won't lose body fat and it is because you're you'll find it harder because your your hunger signals might be 
more extreme than someone else's. Yeah. Um, and you might be more predisposed to reduce your activity level when you reduce your calories. So this sort of compensation effect. Of and that's why yeah. some people find it so much harder to lose weight than others. I say I love this about you. And I actually think I follow a lot of um, in terms of, you know, kind of my knowledge and, and my understanding and also just my enjoyment of social media. The vast majority of people I follow are across the pond, uh, coaches and uh, bodybuilders and professionals and, and PhDs. Um, you are, weirdly enough, the only kind of UK health and fitness girl that I've seen talk about NEAT as much as I talk about it. Um, now, for those of you who don't know, you know, you have your... You have your exercise expenditure, so those are the calories that you burn in the gym. And you have your non-exercise activity expenditure, and that is the calories that you burn gesticulating, walking around, cleaning your kitchen. Um, now, Emma talks about this a lot. So do you want to try and explain in a really kind of layman's terms example, why is that so important for fat loss? Um, what happens when your body fat starts to drop and you do actually react by becoming more sedentary? How to pick it up Um and yeah, again, full circle to why is it so important? Mm. Okay, so it is, it's a factor that most of us ignore for fat loss. And now that we've got activity monitors, it's becoming so much more like noticed. Mm -hmm. But as you diet, you your body will make these adaptations to try and make you store as much energy as possible. People used to sort of term this like starvation mode. Yeah. So I it, was one of those people. Sorry, guys, <laughs> if you followed me six years ago. Which. <laughs> You know, it's not a complete lie, but I think people interpreted that as if you your need body to, will stop, it, yeah. yeah, store calories that aren't there, yeah. which isn't true. It's just that you're expending less calories. Mm -hmm. um, so now that we've got Fitbits and things, it's so much easier to track. But before, we didn't really know that this was happening. And there's been studies in mice that show, say, you put all all the same mice on the same calorie deficit, some of them will lose more weight than others. Mm -hmm. And the sole reason that some of them lose more weight than others is because some of them change their activity levels and some of them don't. Yeah. And that's kind of this, a lot of the time that would be the same with humans. Now, there's so many other factors because we're not mice in a lab. <laughs> but that is a huge factor that, you know, a lot of people, when you reduce their calories, will habitually reduce their activity. Yeah, they, uh, well, compensate. it's natural. Yeah, because your, your body is basically saying, I need to store this fat. It's my mm -hmm. survival. What are you doing? And you will find that you stop being so, that's why you become so lethargic. So and actually, yeah, evolutionary, it makes a huge amount of sense. Of and course. These people probably would have survived. But in this day and age, it's actually better to have sort of the opposite or a, a less response to that yeah you know i always feel like i have to be super careful and and constantly say like guys we're never talking in the extreme if we talk about entering a calorie deficit we're not talking about developing eating disorder you know if we're saying it's really important to move we're not talking about like you know <laughs> this is an analogy i used in your life like don't be like a housewife in the 50s on speed who like can't stop moving for one second well, yeah. don't be extreme about any of this advice but you know the rules of simple rules of science do apply and they should be spoken about and they should stop being frowned upon especially by the female community if you want to lose body fat you have to enter a calorie deficit in an ideal world you do that via energy input food and energy output movement um and actually also i've read a really interesting study that said that neat is genetic as well some people mm -hmm. are just naturally predisposed to get up and move around a lot more even if they would consider that being a couch potato or being chill um than other people who genuinely would can and do actively or inactively just lie there and it is very much 
about your makeup, which mm-hmm. I found fascinating. Yeah, well, and it, kind of what we were saying before, like how you react to a calorie deficit is, is largely genetic and people that find it harder to lose weight react in a slightly different way. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you have to react in that way. It just means you're predisposed to re- reacting in that way. So just get up and move. Yeah, so <laughs> even if you're like, oh, I react to a calorie deficit by moving less... Right, but you can still move more because yeah. you've got your tracker and you can see, oh, God, like I used to do 10,000 steps. Now I'm only doing 8,000. Yeah. I'll have to in- increase that. How many steps do you do in a day? Honestly, I don't even hit 10,000 most days. Are you joking? I, I hit 20,000 the other day and I was like, but Emma absolutely like no, annihilates this. <laughs> I used to. When I worked in a hospital, I did. Um, but now, because I work mostly online, like yeah. I really struggle to hit 10,000. It's hard, 10, isn't 000. it? Yeah. Do you miss it? Do you miss that kind of research science environment? Yes, but I love what I do now yeah. more. And I feel like a huge benefit, actually, of, of the internet uh, and of social media is, is that now uh, the floodgates have really opened in terms of finding the right people, the mm-hmm. educated people, and actually constantly evolving your knowledge and learning. And, and I don't feel ever like if there's something that I... I'm wondering about that I really want to know the answer to. I can't find it as long, as long as I know who the right people are to go by. Okay, so as we've already established, you're a massive science geek. And as we've already established, that is why I am obsessed with you. Do you want to spend a minute or two busting some very popular, very annoying health and fitness myths out there at the moment? Okay, so one I definitely want to speak to you about <laughs> I think is... you just jumped right in. You're like, okay. <laughs> oh, this is my favourite topic. Um, females and weight training. Yes. And, you know, this misconception that as soon as you start lifting weights, you're going to turn into a she-hulk. She-hulk, and, yeah. You know, that area of the gym is just for men. And I think just, yeah, the whole misconception around that and how... I don't know, I guess like your journey for it more because I always start, I started lifting weights. Yeah. But I know that you used to do more cardio based yeah. stuff and you really got more into weights. Yeah. Um, and how empowering that is. Like, yeah. Is that what you found that? Yeah, I think so. When I started, um, I got, funnily enough, I fell in love with, with weightlifting and training by training my lower body, by uh, learning how to squat and then learning how to deadlift and those kind of like big compound lifts um, I really loved. And obviously I wanted a big fat butt. So I was like 100% down. But I was definitely uh, too scared to train my upper body. And I am quite broad. Um, and I always have been I get it from my dad. Um Definitely too scared to train my upper body for weeks until a bikini competitor came into the gym. And as you know, they are petite and they are tiny, but they got muscle and they got shoulders because mm. a, a, a really big necessity of being a good bikini competitor is to have kind of bubble shoulders. And uh, she looked incredible and it changed it changed my training. And I started training my whole body evenly, back, shoulders, arms, the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I was scared of it too. And now I am just constantly working on trying to grow my upper body mm-hmm. uh, even though I am broad it's still it's still a challenge and constantly trying to say to women like look I'm still working on it and I've been lifting weights six days a week a minimum of four maximum of six every week for six years even when I'm on holiday I mm-hmm. love training so I go and train um you have it is really it takes a long time for a woman to gain muscle and hey look if you know you're an you're an outlier and you gain muscle super quickly for whatever reason and it's not just a pump from the gym um then all you have to do is just stop stop weight training for a few weeks and 
you're good. Like you're mm-hmm. all good. Um, I don't know any women that have like accidentally built muscle. No, I don't. Like, me neither. It, it doesn't just happen. But then you know, so so many of my clients will turn around and say to me like, "No, I am her. I am that girl. I will get bulky." And I'm like, "Okay, fine. So you have to give them something." <laughs> I know it, it's hard because you know, and they're so sure of it. Like, oh no, as soon as I go on, even I've had like my mum will be like, "Oh, if I go on the exercise bike, I just get really big." Th- thighs like huge thighs i'm like you you definitely don't no you don't like and it's probably a pump you know you know if it's mm -hmm. all that blood circulating the muscle like i mean you you might find that uh, yeah i wouldn't judge your physical results based on you know the hours after you're done at the gym like Mm -hmm. wait and see how you look in the morning yeah yeah definitely um yeah so that i guess the whole that women are going to find it so much harder to build muscle. You can try for years and years, especially your upper body. Like most women hold most of their muscle in their lower body. Like having big arms is it's definitely not going to happen by accident. No. Um, even if we kind of wish it would. But the health benefits of lifting weights are huge as well. So not just strength and muscle mass, um, bone density. I guess just feeling empowered and getting away from that, like more than... I lo- the term like strong beats skinny you know it's that like goal in the gym that's not just weight loss yeah I mean I think that is I well so I personally am not a fan of that stupid hashtag just because you know one of my friends is probably one of the strongest most physically active uh physically capable girls I know and she's a teeny tiny teeny size six so there is a part of it that I'm like oh we're just doing it again but you're completely right the idea that there is more to exercise then mm-hmm. i want to fit into a size six do you know what i mean like and i think women really need to open their respect your body enough and respect your intelligence enough to have a bigger goal than that you mm-hmm. know it's more of course look i'm i would never lie and pretend to be something i'm not i love the aesthetic results that come with what i do love it and it is definitely a lot of the reason why i do it so hard but that is not the only reason. And if somebody said to me, okay, you're never going to get great results again, am I still going to train? You bet your butt I'm going to mm-hmm. train. Um, there is more to life than that. Yeah. And I think from what I, you know, I do get your point with the strong beat skinny, but in my head it's more those are your goals. So being strong as yeah. a goal beats trying to always just be skinny as a goal. Yeah. 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 And I think also like a lot of it, I don't know, I think everybody's different. I, a lot of my clients will say to me until they're blue in the face, like, no, I want to be a size x you know i want to do this and i think look if we're going to be honest for a lot of women it comes from wanting to feel attractive to the opposite sex or the same sex whichever way you're inclined but it comes from wanting to be looked upon um as an attractive human being and that is very normal and that is very human and you should definitely forgive yourself for wanting that we all want that you know we're all after a mate <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it, it's it's kind of how we're, we're hardwired and you've got to forgive yourself and accept that but you've also got to love your it sounds so cheesy and cliche but you've got to love yourself and put yourself on a pedestal and how you feel and how capable you are in your own body in your day-to-day life um and and as I've already said and I know I'm probably just reiterating the same point but you've really got to prioritize your own health your own well-being your own body you know as that famous meme goes and I actually love this meme your body is the only place you have to live in Mm -hmm. so you better take care of it and there is more to it than looking good for you know a potential partner Mm-hmm. all the time although sometimes you know that's important yeah. too <laughs> it, it is nice and it, it, we have to be like serious here like that's what most people's motivation is mm-hmm. it, it's not really quite as exciting like, oh i just really want to get up at six o'clock in the morning to improve my health when i'm 80 like you it's because it's such a long-term goal that you don't see 
all these benefits will come alongside that, yeah. the long-term health benefits. But yeah, do you know, there's nothing wrong with being like, I want to lose some weight so I look and feel better. Yeah. And that sort of body confidence that is going to come with that. Like, yeah. That's a huge goal. That's what most people's goals are. Yeah. And we're certainly not saying, no, your goal should be optimal health and uh, your bone mineral density <laughs> and your risk of developing sarcopenia and you know all these things. But I have to say, like in, in the last two years of doing this, my uh, consciousness of of my health and my longevity, um, which has been a kind of repercussion of following some really incredible leaders in in the science field, um, it's gone through the roof. I'm definitely uh, thinking a lot now. I mean, the fact that I even take magnesium every day, Mm. I mean, that, I never would have done that a few years ago because, I mean, who cares? But now I'm really, like, I'm health-minded and I'm longevity-minded and it's made me enjoy it so much more. Um, So, yeah, I think that there's a a million and one different goals to look at here. Don't apologise if you want to look good. Don't apologise if you want to look fit. Fine, but there are more goals to it and I think the more that you can find them and harness them the more you're going to enjoy the life yeah and the more reason behind you know like say some of these you're going to get to a stage where you look and feel great but the reason that you keep going is potentially oh actually I know that all this is doing so much good for me long term as well and there's all you know days where you maybe don't feel as motivated in terms of your aesthetic goals at least you've got these health goals or these reasons yeah. that you should be going to and exercising anyway and eating well and, yeah. you know, fueling your body. But I think a, an important point as well is not just longevity, but it's really the quality of life that you're going to have when you're older. Like, yes. that's what matters to me. Like, I don't really want to live, you know, to 110 or whatever, you know, like so long. I'd rather have a really good quality of life, so a disease-free life as long as possible. Ability to use your your body to get to the loo yeah exactly like your independence like yeah can you live alone still and you know what the likelihood is if you're stronger you've got better bone health yeah you've got more muscle yeah heart health we are all going to lose muscle at some point like as we age everyone tends to lose muscle yeah but you can delay that hugely yeah i mean and you know why don't you just just quickly say something about um, the benefits of being cardiovascular fit and uh, having in uh, better than average muscle mass and uh, the overall uh, health benefits of that and the mm. longevity of life and the staving off disease because that's a huge thing that nobody really talks about. Yeah, well, uh, the the biggest research that you can look at is that is there's a a complete correlation between your length of life and your fitness level so your mm-hmm. cardiovascular health and that, that kind of says all oh, like the fitter you are the longer you will live yeah and, and obviously you could get hit over by a bus i'm not saying you're <laughs> gonna be superman but all things kept equal and you don't you know get hit by a bus or anything like that the fitter you are the longer you will live and not only that if something awful does happen like maybe you develop cancer or you know something out of your control you're more likely to survive chemo, to mm-hmm. survive the cancer, to, mm-hmm. if you're fitter. Mm-hmm. So in any way, you know, these things can happen, but you're always going to be in a better position if you're fit and healthy. Yeah, yeah. And you heard it from the girl who has literally spent years of her life studying this. And it's true, you know, the direct correlation between increased muscle mass and being able to fight disease, it's there. It's real. It's um, it's studied. So, mm. so definitely there is more to it. Okay, we are running out of time. So I am going to give you... However long you want, whether it's a few seconds or a couple minutes, just tell my audience something that you think is really important for them to know and understand before, during, or after they embark upon their own body transformation goals. 
Okay, I think to start with, anyone that's starting has my like utmost respect. Starting something's really hard, and we sort of see it. You can be too sucked into the industry and think, oh, you know, we all exercise, we all do this. And I'm not talking about starting as in being like, right, I've decided I'm going to compete, or I've decided I'm going to diet for a holiday, or it's someone who maybe hasn't exercised before is re- you know has struggled with dieting before and they're like right I'm going to make a change that is a huge first step and I think as an industry we don't appreciate that enough and we often you know almost laugh at people like that which is awful so say they started on weight watchers or slimming world we're like slimming world's ridiculous yeah. like should have done the do you know what it takes a huge amount to be like I'm in a position that I don't like and I'm going to make a change. Yeah. And we, we're so comfortable in the fitness world that we see it as, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm so comfortable in the gym. Like, I'm in my, like it's not a scary place. But for these people, it is. It's a complete unknown. And they're saying, right, I'm ready to start. And then some obnoxious PT turns around and is like, slumming world's for losers. Like, <laughs> you know. It's like, at least I'm changing. Yeah. Which is a hard thing to do. Saying that you want to make a change and then actually like doing an active thing to make that change. Yeah. It's a huge, huge step. Agreed. Yeah. So I think that would be the first thing. And now I can't remember the question. Anything that you just want people to know. So right now you're making people feel appreciated, babe. And I think they appreciate it. You're blowing great. You do you, girl. (laughs) But no, it's it's a really hard first step. And then if you are starting out, I think realizing that you don't need to go from zero to 100 straight away. Yes. I mean, you're in a brilliant position to make like really big wins from small differences, Mm -hmm. like small changes. Um, And I always focus on at the start, like subtle changes make significant results. So it could be as simple as, you know, walking to work three times a week instead of getting the car. Mm -hmm. Um, Just making small swaps in your diet. Like you might not even realize that you're dieting. If I take someone's diet like the and I just say, do you know what? Instead of at lunch, you normally have that sandwich, like get that salad box instead. Yeah. That can actually be enough to make someone start losing weight. Yeah. A little bit of extra walking and a change in your lunch. Yeah, enjoy the beginning because it doesn't stay that easy yeah, forever. Exactly. <laughs> so don't try and go from nothing to, you know, a quite a strict diet, it's, you know, a bit restrictive. Like what we want to do is get long term results and in the easiest way possible. Yeah, true that. Well, you have just heard from one of my absolute favourite girls um, on social media, and I'm sure after listening to her talk, you understand why I feel that way. I cannot recommend following Emma and people like Emma enough. You can learn a hell of a lot more from them than you can from, you know, well, I mean, we post in our underwear too, but somebody who solely poses in their underwear. We try pepper it. That's a good point, because I think both are important. Yeah, I you think know, so too. And also, we wouldn't have a following if we just posted no. like boring infographics all the Emma time. Emma and I have spoken about this. It's so depressing, but we I will like pour my heart and soul. I'm talking an hour into a an Instagram post which is just filled with info, like important info, and I'll get like 200 likes, and then I'll put up a photo of me in my bikini, and I'll get like 2,000 likes. Yeah, and just I'm like, with a little what? emoji, like, hey guys, hey. <laughs> but you know what? I have to admit. When I see people like um, Angelica Tashera, right, Miss Olympia, and I see photos of her and I'm like, it makes me work out harder. It mm-hmm. pushes me. It makes me but keep going. how amazing would it be if she also put out good content? She does on YouTube, but not on Instagram, uh, yeah. Well, maybe she's got it figured out. Maybe yeah. I'm trying to merge oh, all these platforms. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah, well, it could Maybe be I need true. to learn a lesson. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning into my podcast. Thank you so much, Emma, for coming on. Have a good one, guys. 
that wraps the podcast this week. Don't forget to tune in next week when I will be interviewing fitness celebrity and guru Bradley Simmons. Now, if you like the podcast, please rate us, please like, please subscribe, please leave a comment. The more interaction we can get from you guys, the better. Thank you so much. Have a great week. I didn't think of it that way, of risking your life going to work. But seeing my colleagues pass away in our own ICU, it's just heartbreaking. Please stick with us for a while and just make our lives a little bit easier. And then we can all be together again. Behind every case, there's a story. Protect yourself and each other. Be antiviral. Hear more at antiviralireland.com. Supported by the Government of Ireland. Podcast Network.